Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. A lot of times what happens in our lives is that we find ourselves in a desperate situation and we think that somehow God is, he's overlooked or he's unaware or he's not going to do anything because, you know, there seems to be a delay. But this is what we all need to know. No, it's all part of the bigger plan that God has. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the Gospel of Mark. Join us as Pastor Brian begins his teaching on Mark, chapter 5, verses 21 through 43, in a message titled, Jesus and the Desperate. Now, here's Pastor Brian. Have you ever been in a truly desperate situation. I'm I'm sure many of you have. And of course, we all will be at a place like that at some time in our lives. As much as we don't even want to think about that, those times are inevitable. A place where your circumstances uh, have overwhelmed you, where the matter is beyond urgent and there doesn't seem to be anyone to turn to, where every resource has been exhausted and the problem still remains. That's where these two people were. The man with his precious daughter's urgent life and death situation and the woman with her incurable illness. But what we're going to see is that it was in their time of desperation that Jesus met them. And, And what we can be confident of, and what I want you to be confident of when we are finished here today, is that there's no situation too desperate for Jesus. And and it's so important to know that Jesus is there in those times of desperation, because when we are desperate, what happens is we're tempted to just, you know, grab for anything that's going to bring relief. And, and sometimes in a situation like that, we can, we can make a huge mistake. We can make the wrong decision, and we don't want to do that. We want to always remember that, no, the Lord is there. And, and regardless of how desperate the situation seems, the Lord is always there with the ability and the desire to meet us and help us through that. So what we want to do is we want to look, first of all, at the two desperate people here, and then we'll follow the story as it goes. But first of all, we're introduced to this man, Jairus. He is, um, as it says here, he's one of the rulers of the synagogue. If this is the synagogue in Capernaum, we're not, didn't tell us exactly what synagogue, but This was a man who had obviously come into contact with Jesus in some way. And he finds himself in an extremely desperate situation. And so when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet and begged him earnestly. So this is desperation right here. So, you know, I mean, he's, so he's the ruler of the synagogue. He's a, he's a man of influence. And he's just, you know, he doesn't care about any of that stuff right now. He, he is so desperate. He just throws himself 
at the feet of Jesus and he begs him saying, my little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her that she may be healed and she will live. It doesn't get any more desperate than that, does it? I mean, that is, that, that's the, the kind of scenario that none of us ever want to find ourselves in, the scenario that this man is in here. This is his daughter. She's 12 years old. We know that from the, later on in the story, it tells us her age. And so I would imagine that this little girl was the apple of her father's eye. I have two daughters, and I know what it's like to love a daughter. My oldest daughter uh, flew back home to New York last night, dropped her off at the airport, and, um, you know, then it's still like, don't go. (laughs) You know, just stay, please. You know, there's just that love that you have, and that's that's undoubtedly what was in the heart of Jairus. And now his, his whole world is shattered. His little girl is, is on the, the verge of death. He is desperate. What does he do? Well, remember, Jesus wasn't really welcomed in the synagogues. He wasn't really accepted. As a matter of fact, many of the religious leaders were suggesting that he wasn't really from God and so forth. But you know, Jairus is at that point where he knows the reputation of Jesus. He's undoubtedly heard about his power. Maybe he was even in the synagogue when Jesus healed the man with a withered hand, but he knows where to go. He's going to Jesus. And so he comes to the Lord and he says, come lay your hands on her that she may be healed and she will live. And so Jesus he complies. He went with him, and a great multitude followed him and thronged him. But now we come to another desperate person. Now, a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment, for she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. So here's this woman. Now, notice she has an an issue of blood. So uh, beyond her normal monthly cycle, this is an ongoing thing, 12 years Now, think about this just from the physical standpoint. So this woman is physically, I'm sure, just extremely weakened. You know, we know today that if you have that that kind of regular blood loss, you're going to go in. Anemia is certainly going to result from that. There's going to be all kinds of physical weakness and things that are there with her. And this this has been a 12-year period for her. And... But just remember that. She's 12 years in this situation. The daughter is 12 years old. There's, there's a connection between those two things. But not only is she physically suffering for all these years, but because of her condition, she would have also been considered impure, uh, ritualistically impure. So under the Old Testament system, there were certain things that, that caused you to be impure. And it wasn't some a thing like, you know, if this was your 
case than God hated you or anything like that, but you were cut off from the ritual aspect of the worship because of any kind of impurity or uncleanness. And that not only kind of excluded you from the public worship, but it also would inevitably separate you from people because the law had said that if you touched an unclean person, then you would become unclean. And in the environment that they were in at this time with the Pharisees who were, who were so incredibly rigid about everything, you know, there was like no place for mercy in their minds. It was just, this woman is unclean. You stay as far away from her as you can. As you can. So she was a person who was excluded. She was ostracized. So she's in a very desperate situation. And notice she's tried everything and nothing has helped. She's gone to many physicians. She spent all of her resources and she's not only not any better, she's actually gotten worse. But like Jairus, somehow she knows about Jesus. And she's heard the story. She's maybe even witnessed from a distance with her own eyes some of what is happening. And so she gets this thought in her mind. If I could just touch the hem of his garment, that would heal me. Wow, that is amazing faith that this woman has. That's what she's thinking. And so that is exactly what she does. So she comes up behind Jesus in the crowd. Verse 29, immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? His disciples said, you see the multitude thronging you and you say, who touched me? They're like, you're joking, right? Everybody's touching you. What do you mean who touched you? Now, remember what's happening here. Jairus has come. My daughter is on the verge of death. Come and lay your hands on her. Jesus says, yes, let's go. And now all of a sudden, Jesus stops. And he turns and he's beginning to look at the crowd. And you can imagine that at this point, Jairus is like, wait, wait, what what are you doing? No, hurry. Jesus, let's, no, we have to go. It's urgent. And not only does Jesus stop and begin to look around at the crowd, he then suddenly asked, who touched me? And this woman comes forth. Now, I am sure that initially, Jairus saw this as just no, 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 no. This is not the time. Okay, I get it. You've got a problem. I understand it. But it's not like the problem I have. You, you've lived with this, it's uncomfortable, but, but listen, my daughter is going to die any moment. Jesus has to get there. And so you, you can only imagine how Jairus would have thought that this was a delay that shouldn't take place, but yet Jesus stops everything. And he calls out this woman who touched me. And the woman, as we see, She, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, she came, fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, listen, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. 
Listen again. Daughter. He calls her daughter. Look at the next verse. What does the next verse say? While he was still speaking, some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house who said, your daughter is dead. The worst possible news for Jairus. But, you know, there's something happening here. And where it seemed like this woman has caused a delay that has prevented Jesus from getting there and preventing her from dying, you know, actually what's happening is this woman is there to assure Jairus that everything's going to be okay. That's really what's happening here. Now, think about this. So the woman, she touches the hem of the garment of Jesus. She's immediately healed. Jesus senses that power goes out from him. Jesus doesn't have to stop. He can just keep going. Okay, he, he knows what happened, but he could have easily just kept that to himself and carried on, and the woman was healed, and she probably would have gone out and told the story. But Jesus stops. And again, like, like I've said, with Jairus, you would know for sure. He's like, no, 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 Jesus, don't stop. Keep going. Come on, we got to hurry. But Jesus intentionally stops. Why? Because this woman's faith is going to be the thing that is going to encourage Jairus when this word now comes. And to me, it's no accident that Jesus says to her daughter, and then immediately afterward, they come, your daughter is dead. But Jesus says, daughter, your faith has made you whole. I'm sure this woman was older than Jesus. Jesus was only 32 years old, maybe at the time. She's probably an older woman. But he refers to her as daughter, and he does so intentionally so that when the word comes to Jairus, your daughter is dead, he's able to connect these things. And suddenly, that would seem like an interruption that which seemed like uh, something that you know shouldn't have happened suddenly Jairus realizes that that's the word that he needs to hear he needed to see that that woman's faith did result in what she believed it would result in. Because remember, Jairus said, you come, you lay your hands on her, and I know that she will be healed. So he has faith. But you can also imagine, when, you know, so he's thinking Jesus got to get there as quick as he can so she can get healed. Jairus isn't thinking that, well, even if she dies, it's going to be okay because Jesus will take care of it. He's, he doesn't think that. But... That's exactly what happened. But he, he needed to know that even though that happened, and so Jesus turns to him immediately, and what does he say? He says, as soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken about his daughter being dead, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not be afraid, only believe. Do not be afraid, only believe. And the, the point that I'm making is that Jairus now has right in front of him the basis for his ongoing faith. He has a, a, a living example of somebody right in front of him who he can say, you know what? I, I don't need to be afraid because this woman 
she just was healed by Jesus. And Jesus said her faith had made her whole. Now Jesus says, don't be afraid, just believe. So this is all really to bolster the faith of Jairus in the face of the message, your daughter has died. Don't be afraid. And so see the connection here. Don't be afraid, only believe. The woman was, for Jairus, a faith builder. And the Lord allowed all of this to happen in order to prepare Jairus and to strengthen his faith for that moment. You see, here's the the thing. A lot of times what happens in our lives is that we find ourselves in a desperate situation and then it seems like the Lord, it's like, Lord, you're delaying. What is going on? And we, we think that somehow God is, he's overlooked or he's unaware or he's not going to do anything because, uh, you know, there there's, seems to be a delay. But this is what we, we all need to know. No, it, it's all part of the bigger plan that God has. And those things that seem to us like a delay or an interruption in the plan, those are the things that God will allow to be inserted into the situation to build our faith. See, there's nothing that's accidental happening here. It's not like, oh no, we were... We were right on course to be there on time and to get her taken care of. But th- this, this lady came up and, and now it's all lost. No, it's all part of the plan. So when, you know, we, we have in our minds, we have an idea of th- this is the way it's going and where it's going. And this is the time frame that it's going in. And then it doesn't work out that way. And our, our temptation is to think that somehow, I don't know, you know, God lost control of the situation or he didn't care or he doesn't love me or you know whatever we might think. But no, it's not that at all. It's that God is, is actually, he's, he's going to, in the bigger picture, he's going to use all of these things. Now, as I said, this woman, she is for Jairus, a builder of his faith. And so even when the word comes that your daughter is dead and Jesus says, you know, j- don't be afraid, just, just believe, he's got that, like I said, that immediate testimony from that woman to say, okay, even though she died, okay, Lord, I, I will believe. And you see, God has given us witness all throughout the ages of his faithfulness in order to build up our faith so that when we find ourselves in these times of desperation, that we don't panic, that we don't make the wrong decision, that we don't run to the wrong place thinking that we're going to get the solution there, but that that we would be able to trust the Lord. And he's given us that, first of all, in the pages of Scripture. See, one of the reasons why we as Christians need to be immersed in our Bibles is because God has put his word together and interwoven all of these stories about people. Have you ever noticed that when you're reading through the Bible? You know, sometimes you're reading just these stories about people like, you know, who are these people? 
and they're just so ordinary. And it's like somebody, you know, following you around for a few weeks and writing down your daily activity and events and then sticking it in a book that's going to be eternal. You would think, well, why would anybody do that? And I'm sure that if people from those previous generations realized that, wow, their story is just going to be told over and over and over and over again for thousands of years to strengthen the faith of other believers, they would have never imagined that that could be the case. But that is what was happening. Now, the Bible, as we know, is a, a lot of the Bible is historical narrative. It's the, it's the lives of these people. But this isn't just there just to tell us what happened. It's there to show us what we can expect God to do in our lives, in the various situations that we find ourselves in, in the various circumstances that we enter into, whether they're just, you know, ordinary decision-making processes or times of intense desperation. So that's why we need to be in God's word. He's given us his word. And, and it's the stories that we fall back on and we realize just like this man could look at this woman and say, I can trust. Okay, I'm going to believe because of her story that I just witnessed. And so we open the pages of scripture and we say, you know, look at what God did here with this person. And, and look, look what he did with, with that person there. You know, a lot of people think that the Bible is, they think it's outdated. They think it's irrelevant. They think it's, you know, why, why would anybody even bother to read the Bible? What, what benefit does it have for me today? Well, many, many, many benefits, but one of them is this one that I'm talking about. It reminds us of how God faithfully works in the lives of his people. And so we take these stories and we say, you know, what God did here with them is similar to my story. And God, I'm going to trust you that the outcome in my story is going to be similar to the outcome of their story. You know, in my own personal experience, I, I have gone through desperate seasons in my life. You know, sometimes I will allude to that up here. And I rarely, publicly have never really, you know, gone into a ton of detail about it. Some people who've known me well and know me a long time know some of the details. But, but I went through a long, long season of illness where I was in times of deep, deep depression and things. And, and I, when I think of desperate, I, I know by experience what desperate is. I know times of, of panic and anxiety that I was just so desperate at that moment, like, what, what am I going to do? And, and I can stand here today and tell you that it was through so often the pages of Scripture that God would meet me and, and give me something to put my trust in that, that, would, that would bring me through. And if I could show you my older Bibles, I, I could show you dates and scriptures that are underlined and promises that God spoke to me at the time that he did indeed fulfill. And that's what God 
wants us all to have through his word. Because Paul, in writing to the Roman church, said this. He said, the things that were written before, talking about what we call the Old Testament, he said, those things were written for our learning, that we, through the patience and comfort of the scriptures, might have hope. So you see, that that's why God gave us his word. So the best thing you can do for yourself in preparation for the desperate hour that will come, they come to all of us, the best thing you could possibly do is just be rooted in God's Word. For the month of July, Back to Basics Radio is offering a book titled Another Gospel by Elisa Childers. Progressive Christianity undermines the authority of Scripture and redefines many essential truths of the gospel. With powerful insight and intellectual integrity, Elisa Childers compares and contrasts the historic Christian gospel with the progressive gospel, enabling you to wrestle with doubts of your own or the challenge of others to the historic Christian faith. The book Another Gospel by Elisa Childers is our gift to say thank you for your donation to Back to Basics. So we encourage you to call us right now at 1-800-733-6443 or visit us online at backtobasicsradio.com. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the Gospel of Mark. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.